thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for today's message. Lord, you said your people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. May you give us understanding of your word today, that as we hear this word, give us an in-depth understanding that after we hear them, we will have the ability to apply them to our lives. Not by our strength, but by your grace, by empowerment. May this be our portion. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Good day, my good viewer, listeners, viewers, all over the world. I'm Pastor Organel Wimu in Inakbogwe of the Evangelical World for World Ministry for Christ Jesus. By the special grace of God Almighty, on our today episode, I'm going to be talking on the topic, a title, Die by Fire Prayer is not a laid-down pattern of Jesus' ministry for genuine followers. Die by Fire Prayer is not a laid-down pattern of Jesus' ministry for his genuine followers. Now, listen, you must understand a fact here. The fact that a believer does not pray, die by fire prayer against his enemies does not mean that God will allow the wicked ones around him to easily destroy him. Get it clear? This is a fact. So we must understand this fact about God. Yes, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it just by force. Yes, it's the scriptures. That is true. But the next question you need to ask yourself as a child of God is this. What dimension of violence am I demonstrating as a follower of Jesus? Is it violence to win souls at all costs into his kingdom? Is it violence to destroy souls or help to populate the kingdom of Satan? Yes, the Bible says our God is a merciful father. At the same time, is a consuming fire. But you must understand which dimension am I demonstrating my violence as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian. In the Old Testament, a lot of historical stories we are giving to us of how Elijah called down fire to, dis- to demonstrate the power of God in the midst of the people. And in 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 10, we were told of how he called down fire to dry up the waters. And if we read 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 38, the Bible said he also called down fire 
to consume the 50 soldiers that came to arrest him. You see that? Second Kings chapter 1, verse 10. He also commanded bears from the bush to eat up those little children that were mocking him. So you see, a lot of scriptures we see where, where God demonstrated his consuming fire aspects before the enemies of his children. These were the diverse of pattern through which God demonstrated his power among his people as a whole. Though he's a God that never changes, he remains the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. Yes, he never changes. He's a merciful father. At the same time, he's the consuming fire as well. So he has both characteristics in him as a creator. And in time past, he has demonstrated the mercy aspect of him. And he has also demonstrated the consuming aspect of him before men. But when Jesus came on board, a lot of picture was revealed to humanity about who God really is. That he is more of love than war. Though he is a man of war, according to the description of who he is in the Bible, but the love aspect of God supersedes the war aspect of him. Before God embarked on war, he must have first tried to build the relationship by demonstrating his deep love towards the people. So God showcased more of his loving aspect than the war aspect before men. So he's a God of love. The Bible said in him, there is no darkness at all. So you must understand this fact about who God is. When Jesus came on board, he came with a new dimension, with a new dimension of operation. And it started by saying to us in the book of Luke chapter 5 verse 32. What did he say in that place? He said, I have not come for the righteous ones, but I have come for the sinners. You see? He made his intention so clear. He said, I have not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. I have not come for those that are righteous, but I have come to revive the sinners. And if you look at the book at, of Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, look at the, the, the tensions of God as well, which is the father of Jesus. God said, he said, I don't find pleasure in the death of a sinner. However, come, let us reason together. Your sin may be as red. Your sin may be as black. Come, let us what reason together. You see, God himself, who is the creator of the heavens and the heads and everything that dwelleth in it, said, he said, I don't find pleasure in the death of sinners. No matter how deep your sin, come, let us what, raise it together. So God himself made his intention clear to everyone. The same thing Jesus also said. He said, I have not come for the righteous, but I have come 
to revive the lost, the sinners. So Jesus' intention is also in line with God's intention for humanity. And if you read the book of Revelation chapter 2 verse 5, and Jesus said, he said, come. He said, and in the Bible, he said, let this mind that is in Christ also be in you. That is called by the name of Jesus. This mind that is in Christ Jesus, let this mind also be in what? In you. And if you go through the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 45. And Jesus said there, he said, it is said as at hold, hate your enemies. He said, but now I say to you, he said, love your enemies, pray for them that they test you, feed them that hate you, they that are testing, give to them. He said, by so doing, you become the children of your father, which is in heaven. By so doing, you demonstrate the character of God. By so doing. Because the character of God is the character of love for enemies. People that did not deserve love. He gave love to them. Remember, the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, he came Die for us. He sent his son to die for us. While we were yet God's enemies, he demonstrated towards us love that we never deserve. Understand who God is. When we don't qualify to be loved, he extended a relationship of love to us. The same thing Jesus is trying to tell us in Matthew 5, 43 to 45. Pray for them that persecute you. Love your enemies. Give to them that are hungry. Those that are thirsty, give to them. He said, in this, you become the children of your father in heaven. If you also go to the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 56, understand, look at it. He said, for the son of man, have not come to destroy men's life. Listen. The Son of Man talking about Jesus. He said, For the Son of Man have not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. Look at us. Look at the sentence. Jesus said, I have not come to destroy the lives of men, but I have come for the primary purpose of saving them. Why did Jesus make this statement? If you read that book of Luke chapter 9, Verse 55 to 56, you will understand there was something that happened in that place. Before Jesus was about to go to Samaria, Van Ekanta. So Jesus had to send his disciples to go ahead of him to prepare the place for him. But when the disciples got to the city of Samaria, the people refused them into the city. They, they refused. They didn't allow them to go into the city. They locked the gate against them. So when Jesus came, the disciples were giving a situation report of how the people rejected them. And they were not seeking for permission from Jesus to call down fire to consume the people. 
And the Bible said Jesus rebuked them. He said, how dare you say such a thing? He said, I have not come to destroy men, but I have come to save them. He said, for you don't know the spirit that is in you. Jesus tried to tell her that as a follower of me, there's a kind of spirit that ought to be in you. It is not the spirit for, of eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as it were in the whole testament. It is the spirit of love for those that despise you. It is not the spirit to condemn somebody because the person refused to understand and share the same line of doctrine with you. It is the spirit to love those that despise them. He said, you don't know the spirit that is inside of you. That is why you seek to call them fire because they refuse to allow you into the city. So Jesus rebuked them and made his intention clear before his disciples. So you must understand this were the pattern Jesus laid down for every of his followers. And if you read the book of 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, it says, For the Son of Man appeared for the purpose to destroy the works of Satan. For the purpose to destroy the works of Satan. Now listen, listen. There's a difference between destroying a man used by Satan and destroying the works of Satan himself. Do you understand what I mean? There's a difference between destroying a man used by Satan and destroying the works of Satan himself. Remember, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, let's say 10, 11, 12, the Bible says, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh, neither blood, but principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in high places, wicked spirits. So, what can you understand from that passage of the Bible as a true child of God that have a deep understanding? Our battle is not a battle against humans. Flesh, neither blood, but principalities and powers. Jesus, that's why Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy men, but to destroy the works of Satan. Am I, do you understand what I mean? So, if Satan is using a man, or manipulating a man, or dominates a man, to be used as a destructive weapon against another man. Now, as a believer, what should then be your target towards such a man used by Satan? As a believer, what should then be your target towards such a man that is being used by Satan to carry out destruction? What is your major target against that man? Remember, it is a spirit that is using that man to destroy. You must understand this. Remember, God uses men to restore lives. Likewise, in likewise, or the same way, 
Satan also uses men. It dominates men. The spirit of Satan dwells in men and uses them to destroy as well. Am I talking to somebody? That is why I said we war not against flesh, neither blood, but our battle is against principalities and powers, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits that uses men to destroy. Now, come to understand the scripture. Now, if we pray, if we should pray and ask God to kill such a man that is being used by Satan as an instrument, you not pray, God, destroy this man for me. And God finally agrees to destroy that man and destroy that man for you. Now, the next question you are going to ask what have I really achieved as a child of God based on your mission and your priority as a child of God? Ask yourself. Remember, nothing has been achieved. If you look deep into that scenario, you see that nothing has really been achieved as a child of God. The moment the man himself dies, which is the flesh, the man is flesh, used by a wicked spirit, the moment the man himself dies, the demon using that man will leave the body, the body of that man, and enter another person and start using that person. Do you understand? The moment that man dies, that demon using that man will not leave that body. And we go and enter another person and start using that person. So you discover that at the extreme end of your battle, you only succeeded in killing the flesh. The man died, but the demon did not die. The demon left to go and inhabit another person. So you have not really hit the battle from the, the way you're supposed to hit it. Hello? It's just like when you go to a, a, a river, and you see that there's the, the top of the river is boiling. It's boiling. There's a boiling coming out of the river. Now, what do you do? You know that something is under the river, troubling the under that is making the top to boil. So, for you to stop that boiling, you must go to the source of that place and see what is troubling the river at the bottom. Stop that thing from the bottom so that the top will stop troubling. I don't know if you understand what I mean. One thing you need to understand too is that demons do not die. Demons do not die. They can only be casted out. No man will kill demon by prayer. You can only cast demon out by prayer. So when a man of God pray, say let us pray. Let every demon in this body die by fire. That is a wrong understanding of prayer. A wrong dimension of prayer. With a wrong understanding. Demons do not die. They can only be casted out. That is why you see Jesus encounter with demons. He never killed any demon. He only casted them out. Of men. Even when the time when they came encounter with the demons... The demons were questioning him. He said, do you want to destroy us before our time? Jesus knew that there's a set time for demons to be destroyed, which have not yet reached. So he knew, so, and he knew what the demons were saying. 
So he casted them out. So praying that demon die. No demon will die now. Jesus did not kill them. So not you will kill them. But there's a set time for all demons to die in the last days. So what am I trying to say? Is this. Our major target towards a man used by Satan is not to destroy the man himself. But to pray against the works of Satan to be destroyed. Because you need to understand one thing. For every sinner that dies in sin, or for every man that is used by Satan, and that man finally dies in that state, it is a mission fulfilled in the kingdom of darkness over the life of that man. I don't know if you understand what I mean. So anytime we pray for God to quickly destroy all our enemies that are against us, or for God to quickly destroy those that are living in deep sin, by so doing, we are helping Satan to speed the, his mission in the life of that man. We are helping him. Yes, I understand that when we talk about enemies, yes, there are levels and dimensions of operations of enemies. They are normal enemies. These are enemies we accumulate to ourselves as a result of enviness and jealousy. And they are also what the Bible, what is known as the arch enemies. Arch enemies, these are enemies that want you to die at all costs over their dead body. Hello? Yes. We have dimension of enemies. We have a different dimension of operations of enemies against humans. But one thing we have as an assurance as people of God or people that believe in God uh, that are followers of Jesus is this. Read the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 and 9. Understand something there. He said, though you may have plenty of enemies, but you are never without a friend. This is the assurance and hope we now have as followers of Jesus. Though you may have plenty of enemies, but you are never without a friend. And what is the empowerment of that one friend over the millions of enemies you have. What is the benefits of having that one friend over the millions of enemies? Is this. The Bible said, he that is with God is he that is with what? All. If you read Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10, the Bible told in that place, fear not for I, I am with you. I, the Lord, is with you. He said, fear not. He told Jeremiah, he also told Isaiah, and he also told Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 10 verse 25. He said, fear not, for I am with you. So when you are truly sticked with God, when you are truly connected with God, and when you are truly working with God, the numbers of enemies and the categories of enemies that surrounds you does not really matter. What matter is that you are fully with God. 
You may have plenty of enemies, but you are never without a friend. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. The Bible says, it says, If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, if Jesus Christ of Nazareth be for you, who are the millions of enemies that can be against you? John chapter 4, verse 4. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when you are truly with God, connected with God, moving and walking sincerely with God, you carry and flow with a greater empowerment that sideline any instrument the enemies will fashion against you. Whether physically or spiritually. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 37. He said, Who is that man that said the thing and it coming to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Who? Who is that demon? Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He said, To them that are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for them that walketh not in the flesh. Listen. To them that are in Christ Jesus, there's no more condemnation for them that walketh not in the what? In the flesh. <laughs> so when you claim to be in Christ Jesus, yet you are still walking in the flesh, then you are the one giving room for Satan to still destroy you. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 15. He said, Though they shall surely walk gather. The enemies will surely what gather. It is a must. They surely gather. But because they are not gathered in my name, they will surely what scatter. Psalm 23 verse 5. He said, Then I will begin to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Listen. He said, I will prepare a table for you in the presence of your not in their absence. Not only when they have died, the table will be prepared for you. The Bible says right in their presence, it will prepare a table for what? For you. That means not all times God wants our enemy to die. God won't want them to be alive, to see certain things, certain level that God will take us to. My case after 7 verse 10, he said, let my enemies see and be covered with shame. Let them see. Let them stay alive and see what I will become. And they will cover with what? Shame. Am I talking to somebody? Isaiah chapter 43, verse 3. He said, Though you pass through the waters, you will not be drowned in the waters. Though you pass, you may pass through the fire, I will not allow you to be burnt in that fire. The water is trouble. The fire is trouble. These are our hope and assurance we have as believers even as we move with God and contend with our enemies. He said, they that know their God, they shall do what? Exploits. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. He said, they that know their God, they shall be strong even in the midst of the, their adversaries. So the question you're going to ask, do you really know the God you are serving? As a child of God, ask yourself. Do you even know the contents of the God 
the magnity of the God you are serving? Do you know him? This is the question you must ask yourself as believers, as a follower of Jesus. Have you really given your, yourself to him and died to yourself? The Bible said, you must carry the cross and follow me and die to yourself. So the problem is not the numbers of enemies that surrounds us or surrounds you. The problem is your level of connectivity and commitment to obey the will of God and following his instruction. That is where the problem is coming from. The Bible says, I will build a wall of protection around you. I will build a wall of protection around what? You. But do you know the same Bible said, if you break the edge of that wall, the serpent will come in and bite you. So there's a wall of protection built around children of God that has genuine But if you break the edge, the serpent will pass through that broken edge and bite that child of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 3, the Bible said, in Christ we are eating. In Christ we are what? Eating. Every true child of God that serves God genuinely is hidden in Christ. Do you know what that means to be hidden in Christ? It's just like, let me give a practical example. Just like, do you know what an egg? Egg. On it, when you carry an egg, there are three elements. We have the shares, the share, which is the, 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 the share. We have the, 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 the yolk, we have the abdomen. We are like the yolk inside the egg. He said, in Christ, we are hidden. We are like the yolk inside the egg. Before somebody can get access to the yolk of an egg, he has to first of all break the shell, remove the abdomen before you can get access to the yolk. It's just that before a Satan, before an enemy can destroy you as a child of God, he must first of all destroy Jesus, destroy God, and get access to you. But it's not possible to destroy Jesus and God and get access to you. Colossians 33. In Christ, we are what hidden. We are the yoke hidden inside Christ. I don't know if you understand. I have built the wall of protection around you. But the edge can be broken by the power of sin. If you break the edge, that's happened with what? Bite. The edge of our war can be broken by the power of what? Sin. What is sin? Secret and immoral sin can break the edge of our war. Protected war. Lie can break the edge. And another suffering, what kills Lie. Envyness can break the edge of our war for Satan to penetrate. Aaron and Miriam, what destroyed them? Envyness. Immorality can break the the edge and the wall of our protection for serpent to penetrate. Immorality. What destroyed Samson easily, quickly, was immorality. Fornication. Disobedience can break the edge of our wall and serpent will bite. What made Saul to lose his position to David? It was disobedient to simple instruction. So Satan is not stronger than you and me. 
who are believers. Most times, the sin we still, those sin we still harbor in our life, and we are comfortable in them. These are the things that give Satan the edge to, to have that access to many of us to still strike and win over our life. That sin, that sin we are comfortable with. We see it doesn't really matter. Those sins are not giving Satan the edge to still penetrate us and still come and what we in certain areas of our lives. If you break the edge, the serpent will what bite. The serpent represents Satan. Am I talking to somebody? So these are the things you must understand as children of God. The Bible said our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you make the Holy Spirit to dwell in your temple, there's no way a demon can dwell in that the same temple. The Bible said light and darkness cannot occupy the same body. When the Holy Spirit is residing within you, within your body, because a fire, it becomes a fire for Satan and his agents to destroy. The Holy Spirit cannot be residing in you and Satan will harm that body. Because your body is the temple of God. Satan cannot destroy the temple of God. He cannot. It is because many people are going to church. They jump up and down in the church. But the Holy Spirit of God is not yet dwelling in their life. So Satan still coming and hurts them, ravage and destroy them and go away. Because the Holy Spirit of God is not yet dwelling in them. Because this, Satan and his agent cannot destroy the temple where God dwells. So know where the problem of many Christians are coming from. You pray that God should kill every of your enemies by fire. But don't forget, you too is also an enemy to somebody out there. Pray to is God for you to die. Yes, every man can pray for God to kill their enemy for them. But don't forget, you too that is praying that God should kill your enemy for you, you are also an enemy of somebody there that you don't know. Pray to his God for you to die. You pray that God should help you kill every enemy by fire. But don't forget, one day, you too will also die. Am I talking to somebody? Nobody can escape the root of death. You pray that God should kill your enemies for you, but don't forget you too will also die. So when you ask God to honor what you will finally become a victim to in the journey of your life, that is not an achievement as a child of God. Am I talking to somebody? Many people are desperate to pray to God for him to kill their enemies for them. But they are not desperate to kill sin and immorality out of their own life. 
Listen, no one can escape that route of death. Your enemies will pass through that route. You too will also pass through that route. So when you pray for people to die, one day you too will die. <laughs> so it is just like a law of garbage in garbage arts. The wicked ones will pass through that route. The saints will also pass through that route. Go and read the Kelejasi chapter 8 verse 8. He said, no man can put off the day of his death. No man can put it off. Whether you are a wicked man, whether you are a saint, when the day of a man, that man's death reach, he cannot put it off. He must pass through that place. So your joy as a believer is not that you can pray very well and enemies are destroyed for your sake. That is not the joy of a true child of God. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. Sorry. 24, verse 17. It says, Rejoice not over the downfall of an enemy. This should not be your joy as a believer. That should not be your utmost joy and desire as a believer. Rejoice not over the downfall of an enemy. Your joy should not be that my name, your joy should be that, oh, my name is written in the book of life. That should be your joy. Not that, oh, you can pray and people are dying for your sake. Your joy should be that, yes, I have been able to win souls into God's kingdom. That should be your joy. That is the greatest achievement of every child of God. That souls have been transformed into God's kingdom through you. Through you. The greatest joy of a believer is so winning. The greatest joy and achievement of a believer is that you are people have been won into God's kingdom. People have been transformed through your encounter with them with the word of God. That is the greatest achievement any child of God can achieve in the Christian race. This wicked man of before is now a good man as a result of Jesus I presented to him. This should be your testimony as a child of God. This prostitute you are seeing that is now an evangelist. By the grace of God, through my encounter with him, with the word of God, I was able to transform her. That should be your testimony. This chain smoker, this arm robber, that drug addict, that kidnapper you are seeing there, that idol worshiper you are seeing there, who is now a pastor, who is now an evangelist, who is now a child of God. By the grace of God, it was through my encounter with him, with the word of God, that they were transformed. Let that be your testimony. This is the greatest testimony of a, of a child of God. When people are being loosed from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light through them, through him, that is the greatest testimony you can ever share as a child of God. Not when I pray and fasted for several days. I pray and I fasted for several days. And that man died. Is that a wonderful testimony from a child of God? Brethren, praise the Lord. There was a man against my promotion in the office. 
He had tried and tried. So I prayed and fasted for several days, 21 days, and he died. Somebody shout hallelujah. Everybody will start jumping. And you think you have achieved something as a child of God. Listen. We need to go back to the roots and the teachings and the patterns Jesus has laid down for us. Understand your mission. Understand the priority. Understand the purpose why the gospel has been brought and delivered to our hands as followers of Jesus. That woman that was troubling me, that woman that said I will not marry, I prayed and fasted. And today the woman is running mad on the streets. Praise the Lord, everybody, everybody will jump up. That is your testimony. Yes, all these are testimony. But these are not testimony that are adding to the kingdom of God. They are not populating the kingdom of God. They are for our comfort and peace here on earth. Yes, we have peace. But how many people have you been able to transform through God's word since you became a Christian? The Bible says, he that winneth his soul is wise. Not he that can pray for sinners to die in their sin. Not he that can pray that people should die by fire. That is wise. He said, but he that winneth his soul is what? Wise. How many souls are you winning for God's kingdom? How many idol worshippers have you been able to preach to and convert them to the kingdom of God since you be, since you since you became a Christian, or since you have been following Jesus, how many idol worshippers have you been able to summon the courage and meet and preach the gospel to him or her? And you succeed in winning that person. How many have you been able to, to achieve? How many occultic men? How many men or women that are serving? or whatever or which God are possessed with the spirit of witchcraft have you been able to preach to you pray for them and you can testify that through me this man this woman was possessed with the spirit of witchcraft but through the empowerment and cut of the word of God he was transformed to the glory of God how many have you been able to achieve how many armed robbers and kidnappers have you been able to transform through the empowerment of God's word how many shame smokers and drug addicts, drunkards, area boys, fighters on the street have you been able to preach to and win to the kingdom of God? As a child of God, how many can you testify of? Rather, your testimony is always the millions of people that die as a result of your prayer. If all the evil people die as a result of our prayer, then which one are going to be converted into the kingdom to join us to enjoy the kingdom of God? How many? You are happy that people die for your sake, but you are not concerned how many people that have been saved through you. Don't only be happy that you can pray fire prayer and people are dying for you. Then let your joy be that yes, through you, people have been transformed. Idol worshippers have been transformed. Occultic men have been transformed into repentance. Armed robbers have been transformed. Kidnappers are transformed. 
Chain smokers are transformed. Prostitutes are transformed. Adulterers are transformed. Drug addicts are transformed through you. Let that be your testimony. That is the greatest testimony. And there's no way you can transform this set of people when you are always praying fire prayer against them. Paul said, he said, I do everything at all costs to win somebody to the kingdom of God. He said, all this I do, that through this at all costs, I must win somebody to my father's kingdom. I became this. I was flung. I became like a gentleman. When I got there, I became this. All this I do, that at all costs, I must win somebody. It would have been possible for Apostle Paul to be praying that those that flogged him on his way to preach the gospel should die. Those that did not, that stoned him, on his way to preach the gospel, they should die. Remember, David had the opportunity to kill Saul. Because Saul tried to prove to David that he was his enemy. But when David had the opportunity to kill Saul, the Bible said he did not do it. These were the qualities God saw in David. And that is why you say in the Bible said God said David is a man after my heart. David had the heart of God, even though he was not a perfect man, even though sometimes he fall into certain sins, but he had the heart of God, which is love, not to return evil with evil, not to return back. Evil with what? Evil. Not to revenge. He didn't have that spirit. We have the revenging spirit. We want to always fight every battle back. We want to return every and rebuke every challenge thrown at us back. We want God to kill everyone that does not share the same understanding with us in our in the Bible. We want God to destroy every man that does not share the same doctrine with us. As far as this man is not a Christian, then he needs to die. As far as this man does not understand that Jesus loves him, then he needs to die. No, that is not love. The Bible said, love suffered all things, many things. He suffered many things. You must understand the gospel of Jesus. So die by fire prayer for enemies is not a later pattern of Jesus' ministry for genuine followers of Jesus. Yes, the fact that a believer does not pray die by fire prayer against his enemies does not mean that God will allow his enemy to easily destroy him. It's a lie. Serve God with understanding. The shakas were commanders because they understood the time. They were men of understanding. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. The Bible said, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Wanting knowledge. Today, I urge you, my beloved brethren, sisters, friends, relations, fellow brothers in Christ, sisters all over the world, 
let's have the right understanding of God and present God in the right way to the to our society. Let people see love in God through the way we demonstrate our activities in the body of faith. Love is one thing that overcomes hatred. It is only love that can conquer hatred. It is only light that can drive away darkness. Today, I urge you, let's dig deep into the gospel of Jesus and present it to our world. And you will see that unbeliever will be transformed into Christ. And heaven will rejoice. The Bible for everyone so that repent, everyone will rejoice. It didn't say for everyone so that die is sin, everyone rejoice. It didn't say that. For every soul that repents, every word rejoice. Strive to transform that act sinner today. Don't just strive to destroy that sinner as a child of God. May the good Lord bless this word in your heart and in my heart. In Jesus' name. I'm Pastor Organel Wimu in the Nakbogba of the Evangelical Word for Word Ministry for Christ. Jesus. May the good Lord bless you till we meet on our next episode on God's word. Remain blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.